Meghan and Harry open up to Oprah Winfrey about the trials and tribulations of being young, good-looking, and very wealthy members of the royal family. I mean, seriously, who isn't a victim at this point, right? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. You don't usually think you're going to hear from people who are multimillionaires living in a house that looks like it could have been the home of the Medicis in Mediterranean uh, Renaissance era Italy. But nonetheless, here we are. Uh, We are looking at Harry and Meghan, and they are just so upset. In fact, after not really producing any good or service for the public, but still being incredibly wealthy and being quite famous in the bargain, too, They want to tell everybody about how sad they are. Now, look, I got to tell you, I thought we fought a war over 200 years ago so we could quite honestly never give a crap about the royal family again. But here's how I'm going to make this matter for you, for me, for all of us right now who are still sane in this country. This is yet another example of the victimology mindset that has overtaken the entirety of the American left, most of, if not all, of pop culture at this point. And we should start to understand, it's not just here in the U.S., it's also in the U.K., it's really much of the Western world now. If you can establish yourself as a victim, if you you can create the perception of yourself as a person who is oppressed, there are all kinds of things that come along with that, that are benefits, right? First of all, you're exempted from any bad decisions, any disappointments you've had in your life, any times where you've perhaps treated people poorly or made the wrong decision or been uh, undisciplined, made the wrong choice, whatever it may be, wasn't your fault. You're a victim. Other people push you into that. Other people are the reason for the shortcomings or the failures that you may have experienced, that we all experience, by the way. But if you're a victim, it's not on you. You get to blame other people. That's a very seductive mindset, isn't it? Oh, but it gets better than that. If you're a victim, you also get to make demands based upon the moral compulsion that you're insisting other people are now obligated to uh, to engage in. They, They can make demands of you. You get stuff now because it has to be made right. You've been victimized. You need to be given things. It's only fair. It's only right. But did anyone actually do something to you? No, it's the system, you see. It's this broad, amorphous, but omnipresent and overly powerful system that determines every aspect of the victim's life. They can't tell you specifically what the one incident is, but they know, they know that people should feel sorry for them, people should be supportive of them, and ultimately people should give them stuff and do what they say, not criticize them. This is why victimology is an incredibly powerful mindset that brings with it a whole lot of upside, a lot of benefits for people. Bad for society, rooted in narcissism and falsehood, but powerful nonetheless. Here we have the the, the first place you want to go in America today, or the UK, I suppose, if you want to claim victimhood status, find a narrative that ties into racism and white supremacy And Meghan Markle, married in the royal family, was a third-tier actress nobody had ever heard of before. Now she's a global celebrity with millions and millions of dollars living in a giant mansion. It's all so hard. Uh, The only way she can really start to convince you of that is to say, well, I mean, there was some racism. Play it. You certainly must have had some conversations with Harry about it and have your own suspicions as to why they didn't want to make Archie 
a prince. What are, what are those thoughts? In those months when I was pregnant, all around this same time, so we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. Really? Meghan Markle herself is uh, the daughter of somebody who is half black, and so she is a quarter black, and so she's saying that the royal family was concerned about the skin color of her. Really? But we're, we're, that's, that there was a big question about that? That was a big problem? I mean, I wasn't there, you weren't there, we don't know. But all of a sudden, guess what? She's a victim. Look at that. All of a sudden, being a millionaire, celebrity, celebrated, front page of the newspapers, everything all the time. Now, you might say, I don't, I don't care about the British royal family, Buck. And, and to which point you'd say, yeah, or I would say, yeah, I get that. I don't really either. But you see, this is indicative. Whether it's Hillary Clinton saying that she lost the 2016 election because she's a woman, not because she's corrupt and shrill and unlikable, because she's a woman. Or when you have globally famous multimillionaire athletes, LeBron James comes to mind, a superstar. I mean, one of the most fortunate people on the planet was complaining about how, as he said, quote, black men in America are being literally hunted every time they leave their homes by the police, mind you. Uh, they, they, they create a victim status for themselves because this is now, it's like a psychological plague that has descended across all of Western civilization. People want to be victims because it means you get all this upside and you're not held for any of the downside. We can even go beyond that. Meghan Markle talked here about something. Now, a lot of people suffer from mental illness and real mental uh, health problems, but they generally don't go into it in detail when they're trying to drum up sympathy for themselves in an interview with Oprah that they paid $7 million for, and that will be watched by probably a billion people when all said and done. But here's Meghan Markle letting you know, well, you know, she went to that very scary place too. Look, I was really ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry, especially, um, because I know how much loss he suffered. Mm -hmm. But I knew that if I didn't say it, that I would do it. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And that was a very clear and real and frightening constant thought. What was so hard exactly? That's one thing that doesn't really ever seem to come across. What, what was the challenge? That there were some indignities of being in the royal family and not being treated the way one thought one should in the royal family? I mean, you know, a lot of people are showing up all across the world and across America, of course, to jobs where they're poorly treated, where they're not making enough money, where they could get fired at any moment. They're barely paying their bills. They live in a house with a leaky, you know, a leaky roof or they're in an apartment where the heat gets turned off every time it gets cold out. I mean, people got problems all over the place. What exactly are we supposed It's so hard? I mean, look, we all struggle. I get that. Everyone's got their own challenge. Everybody can make a case for how their life is challenging in some way. But we don't all get millions and millions of dollars for no reason other than just existing, really, and then get to go and sit down with Oprah and whine about it. But this goes to show you, the ultimate status symbol in America today is to be a victim. That's the ultimate status symbol. That Because then nothing you've ever done is your fault. There's no wrong you've ever committed. You've only been wronged, and you deserve so much more than you have. Harry also here seems like uh, a guy who, let's just say, is not really thinking all that clearly. Some guys who have 
been in relationships, have certainly been there before. You know who saw this one coming? Donald Trump. Let's play that. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, chimed in on the U.S. election and essentially encouraged people to vote for Joe Biden. I wanted to get your reaction to that. I'm not a fan of hers. And uh, I would say this, and she probably has heard that, but uh, I wish a lot of luck to Harry because he's going to need it. The Trumpster sees many things. He, he sees things in advance. Coming up on the rise of cancel culture and victim culture, we'll talk to Rob Smith. He's a host of Rob Smith is Problematic. It's a podcast. It's fantastic. He's also a First TV contributor. Stay with us for that. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own? I felt exactly that way until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investments, but I didn't know how to invest in real estate while staying committed to my profession. You see, I'm doing five hours of original content programming every day. Like you, I'm really busy. I know you got a million things going on too. So how are we ever going to start investing in real estate on our own, right? Well, about a year ago, I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They told me what cities to look at, then we settled on one. They found me an awesome property in one of those cities. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me, and now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second. See if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. All you have to do is visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. That's right, doneforyoubuck.com. Visit doneforyoubuck.com today to start your real estate investment journey with pros who will walk you through every step of the process with a proven track record, doneforyoubuck.com. Did you leave the country because of racism? It was a large, it was a large part of it. I remember that um, the, uh, the Santa Bali uh, fundraiser. Yes. Um, one of the people at that, at that dinner said to me, please don't, please don't do this with, with the media. They will, they will destroy your life. This person is friends with a lot of the editors and, and other. And I said, sorry, just elaborate, what do you mean by that? Obviously I knew. He said, you need to understand that the UK is very bigoted. And I stopped him, I said, the UK is not bigoted, the UK press is bigoted, specifically yeah. the tabloids. Is that what you mean? He goes, no, the UK is bigoted. And I said, I, d I completely disagree. But unfortunately, if the source of information is inherently corrupt or, or racist or bias, then that filters out to the rest of society. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle slamming the royal family in a bombshell with Oprah Winfrey, dropping allegations of deep-seated racism within the monarchy without naming names. So is no one safe now from the woke, woke victimhood culture in society here in America or over in the UK either? Here to discuss Rob Smith, the first contributor and host of Rob Smith is Problematic, a podcast, which you should check out. Mr. Rob Smith, good to see you. What's going on, Buck? So what do you make of this? You know, all of us, so that they want to they have the world on their side in a sense. They want sympathy. And now we're being told that the, the British royal family, which is all about optics, all about public perception at some level. It's just really racist? What do you make of this? What I make of it is that it's very interesting that we have literally a multimillionaire being interviewed by a billionaire 
And now we're supposed to believe that that both of these people are, are victims of some sort. It, it's pretty ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to say something be very problematic. I'm going to say something you can't say, Buck. And it is this. Meghan Markle is, I think, one quarter black. And so the kid is about one eighth black. Meghan Markle is very light skinned, very fair skinned, all of this other stuff. She has all of those what the left would call privileges of basically appearing white. And yet and still, all of these things are not enough to keep her from being a victim in her own mind. It's actually very odd, a little shocking. And what does this say to people in our society that are really going through things? What does this say to people that are you know, out of work because of the pandemic? What does this say about people that have families, that have kids that have not been in school for a full year, that we are in this sort of victimhood wallow fest between a billionaire interviewing a multimillionaire duchess? It's, it's kind of insane. Rob, Meghan Markle referred to her treatment by the royals in this way. I wanted to have you react to it. Play the clip. If members of his family say, well, this is what's happened to all of us, or if his, you know, if, if they can compare what the experience that I went through was similar to what has been shared with us, Kate was called Weighty Katie, waiting to marry William. While I imagine that was really hard, and I do, I can't picture what that felt like. This is not the same. And if a member of his family will comfortably say, we've all had to deal with things that are rude, rude and racist are not the same. Racism. I'm still w- wondering where the, uh, I'm also, why, why can't we actually say who is, who is guilty of the racism? I mean, it seems like this is a very convenient way to say that the whole royal family is kind of racist, but you don't have to actually say, well, who and how and why? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, not to critique Oprah Winfrey, apparently uh, our our friend Megan Kelly is trending very negatively right now because she critiqued Oprah Winfrey's interviewing skills, but she didn't really get to the root of this question. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to deny anybody's existence, uh, anybody's experience of racism. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying is this, is that this interview right now seems awfully convenient for Meghan Markle and, and Harry making their way into Hollywood, getting the woke left on their side. Um, and going into, I think that they've got a Netflix deal. I've heard that she wants to do movies. So this is all very convenient right now. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I barely watched any of that interview. I literally just don't care. And I wish we could go back to people not caring about any of this stuff. It, it, it's just ridiculous. And it's a distraction. Yeah. I mean, can I just also say, have you seen their house in Los Angeles that they're, they're renting now, they're living in? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. looks, it, it looks like something that it looks like a palazzo that would have been that would have been built for somebody who you know owned half of italy a hundred years ago anyway I, I just think it's interesting they've never had a real job their parents and their parents parents at least in the royal family sense never had a real job either but yet they're living in extreme luxury and very upset about it piers morgan who occasionally i agree with all things it seems had this to say rob i wanted you to hear it I'm sickened by what I've just had to watch. This is a two-hour trash-a-thon of our royal family, of the monarchy, of everything the Queen has worked so hard for. They trash everybody. They basically make out the entire royal family a bunch of white supremacists by dropping this race bombshell without... What's that phrase? They didn't name any... They didn't name which one it was. They just throw it out there so it could be any member of the royal family. And Harry says, I'll never say who it was. Well, you better say it fast. I, I kind of agree with Pierce Morgan. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? 
look, you, you can just kind of like throw out these accusations and they never really have to back it up. They never really have to drop any names. They just say that, you know, the royal family is racist and this is what everybody's supposed to believe. I don't know if the royal family is racist or not. I don't care. The only thing that I know is that I'm tired of this whole thing. Meghan Markle was a B-list actress before. She wanted to be A-list. C-list, C-list, Rob, C-list. Let's let's C-list. let's keep it real. C-list. Yeah. Um. So look, she she wanted to do this because she wanted to be super super famous and all of this stuff, and she got what she wanted. Everybody is talking about her. But like I said, what's going on right now? is this is very indicative of where we are with the woke left. Everything and everybody is racist, and they are smearing, like Pierce said, the entire royal family is being racist without ever having to cough up any evidence. Oprah said this uh, in the morning after the interview, and people were wondering, well, hold on a second, who, who said these bad things that we don't get specifications about? At least we know it's not one or two people. Play it. The color of the baby's skin. Yeah. And you, you asked mm-hmm. Harry about it when he came out. He did not tell you who it was. There's a big guessing game all around the world. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? And yeah. I thought it was very touching that Harry still is choosing to protect the identity of whoever that was. Yes, and he did not share the identity with me, but he wanted to make sure that I knew, and if I had an opportunity to share it, that it was not his grandmother mother, nor his grandfather that were a part of those conversations. So at least he's not throwing the queen herself at 90-some-odd years of age right under the bus, or the lorry, as the case may be. Well, look, I mean, she apparently she was the only one that was spared by this, uh, because everybody else is pretty much, uh, you know, the, the race police are going to be looking into them. And the way media works and the way this is going to happen, if people are still interested in this uh, later on this week, they're going to start going into everything everybody said that was maybe... Um, a, a little bit slightly offensive or slightly on toward or anything like that. But this is just the world that we live in right now, Bucket. It's, I, I, I just don't even know what to say to it. I, I'm, I, I'm tired of living in this world. I don't want to live in this world anymore. I wish, like, I remember when, like most of the universe, I did not know who Meghan Markle was. And it was just a simpler time. It, was. it really was. I'll leave you with this, actually, kind of a mic drop for Mr. Clay Aiken of American Idol fame, among other things. The fastest growing career field in America is victimhood. Rob Smith, check out the Rob Smith is Problematic uh, podcast. Problematic because you're going to want to listen to it so much. Rob, good to see you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, bud. All right. Now a fifth woman. That's right. Five. Now a fifth woman has stepped forward to accuse Andrew Cuomo of making unwanted sexual advances. But it appears the New York governor has no intention of stepping down from his post. We got the latest on this ongoing Cuomo saga in the Buck Brief, which is up next. We're living in very uncertain economic times. Being prepared for this unknowable future is more important than ever. You see this new Biden administration, the trillions of dollars of spending, gas prices starting to go up, people worried about inflation. There's a lot of stuff on the horizon you've got to be concerned about right now. And you want to take action today, right? You see the government doing these massive spending bills. You see the Federal Reserve printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. So what are you doing about it? That's the question you need to ask yourself. This could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account over the long term and for your ability to retire. We could all benefit from something that's a little more reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home 
or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. I was elected by the people of the state. I wasn't elected by politicians. Uh, I'm not going to resign because of allegations. Uh, the premise of resigning because of allegations uh, is actually anti-democratic. The system is based on due process uh, and the credibility of the allegation. Anybody has the ability to make an allegation in democracy, and that's great. But it's in the credibility of the allegation. Good old Governor Cuomo. Does anyone think the allegations are not credible? Really? Is, is that where he's going with that one? Seems no matter how many controversies are thrown this guy's way, he's just not going to give it up. Say what you want about him. The man is uh, persistent and resilient and shameless. It's cold comfort for the families of thousands of elderly New Yorkers who tragically passed away, in part due to the executive orders that he put through on nursing homes. Not even his own party can protect him from this for much longer, with both the Senate and Assembly leaders in New York calling for his resignation. Let's delve into the latest of Cuomo's possible downfall on tonight's Buck Brief. It was Republicans, it was conservative media, but now even some Democrats are starting to think that maybe Cuomo is too toxic to hold on to any longer. Here's a statement from Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins. Let's get right to it every day. There's another account that is drawing away from the business of government. We have allegations about sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, a loss of credibility surrounding the COVID-19 nursing home data and questions about the construction of a major infrastructure project. New York is still in the midst of this pandemic and is still facing the societal health and economic impacts of it. We need to govern without daily distraction for the good of the state. Governor Cuomo must resign. Now, I agree with the, uh, the leader here of the Senate, but I am pretty sure if we're, we're going to place bets on this, I think it's a fair bet to place that there's no way Cuomo's actually going to resign from his post. He's going to fight it out at the very end. They will have to pry his fingers off the governor's desk to get him out of that office. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You even have the uh, Speaker Hasty adding into this, too. These are Democrats. Remember, folks, these are Democrats. The allegations pertaining to the governor that have been reported in recent weeks have been deeply disturbing and have no place whatsoever in government, the workplace, or anywhere else. I, too, share the sentiment of Senate Majority Leader Stuart Cousins regarding the governor's ability to continue to lead this state. We have many challenges to address, and I think it is time for the governor to seriously consider whether he can effectively meet the needs of the people of New York. No, 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 no. Of course he can't. This isn't about whether Cuomo can effectively meet the needs of constituents. This is about whether Andrew Cuomo can effectively meet the needs of Andrew Cuomo. We all see that. We're all quite aware of what's going on here. This is a guy who was held up as a hero, and he loved it. You know, he got a seven-figure book deal. That's right. He got paid over a million dollars 
for the book on COVID leadership, because that's what major publishing houses do. They pay off Democrat politicians whenever they can by giving them big book deals for books no one's going to read, so that later on, as they ascend up the political ladder, they can be the ones to get the ghost-written memoir that might actually sell some books, right? This is how it works. The system takes care of Democrats in power, no question about it. But Cuomo didn't take care of people in nursing homes, that much is for sure. And the fact that the media has honed in so much on the sexual harassment allegations should not take away from the fact that by far the more serious scandal of the two in terms of the ramifications, in terms of the actual damage done, was what happened in those nursing homes in New York State. But Governor Cuomo terrifies Democrats. He keeps vendettas and does not let them go. He will actually punish those who speak out against him, as he has done for many, many years. He understands the machinery of government in New York State. So for those of you who aren't in New York, you're saying, why does this matter to me? There are plenty of governors like him across the country who wield much more power than you'd realize that even affects your day-to-day life, certainly affects your business in the state that you live in. And there's no accountability for them. In these one-party, all-blue states like New York and California, they can get away with all kinds of shenanigans and, and honestly, in this case, fraud. Sure, maybe Gavin Newsom goes in California, but probably not. And even if he goes, they'll just replace him with somebody who shares all the beliefs and mores and ideals of Gavin Newsom. Doesn't really change anything, does it? What was the media doing during all this? When, when they could have been actually exposing the nursing home scandal, when the corporate media, the mainstream media, had the opportunity to actually get ahead of the story, what kind of stuff were they doing? Here is Good Morning America. Broadcast news still has enormous audience across the country, even though, I mean, it's like the, it's the equivalent for your brain of just surviving on a diet of, of cotton candy and popcorn. I mean, it's just mush. But broadcast media, here you go. Here's ABC News sitting down with Cuomo and the kind of hard-hitting journalism that you could expect last summer. In one word, can you describe the past 100 days? Hell, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can. I think that's fair. What still keeps you up at night? You've been commended for your clear and your calm leadership. People from all over the country and the world have tuned into your press conferences. Your statewide approval rating, a career high 84%. You came in second only to President Obama as the most trusted Democratic leader in America. How do you intend on spending that political capital that you've earned. If you had to give President Trump a grade on how he's handled this pandemic, what would you give him? What grade would you give yourself? You've said that you have no political aspirations beyond the job you're in right now. Right. A lot of people are asking why. Why not think about something grander, bigger, presidential? Yeah. Journos speaking truth to power or giving power a back rub on TV. Same thing, right? Cuomo, you're not out of the woods yet. The city of Minneapolis is preparing for the trial of Officer Chauvin, formerly of the Minneapolis Police Department, who's accused of killing George Floyd. What happens if he's found not guilty, or perhaps even if he is found guilty? We've got the founder of the Liminal Order, Jack Murphy, joining us next to discuss the possible violence. We are prepared as any city in America could be and we are prepared as we can be to quell violence and destruction. The court process will go on, and if people are being violent and destructive, they will get arrested and they will go to jail. Law enforcement leaders in Minneapolis assuring the public 
They're ready to keep the city safe as it braces for the trial of Derek Chauvin, the former officer being charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. The city of Minneapolis is becoming unrecognizable with each passing day. You've got businesses boarded up, National Guard troops on watch, barbed wire fencing of government buildings, and Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey says the trial is, quote, probably the most significant one that their city has experienced. So what can we expect in the coming weeks as this trial unfolds, comes to a conclusion? Let's talk about that and more with founder of Liminal Order, Jack Murphy. Jack, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. Happy to be here. So we've had a lot of weeks now where we've been told that D.C. has to be under, under a state of, of near siege because of the threat of unspecified uh, QAnon, coup, whatever it may be. In Minneapolis, they're preparing for some stuff, too. But what are your expectations for how that's going to play out? I think that the threat of violence in Minnesota is far higher than there is in Washington, D.C. In fact, there's credible experience. We've all seen what happened starting back at the end of May of last year. Minneapolis blew up everywhere all across the country, even in Washington, D.C. I spent many a summer nights on the streets in D.C. watching the violence unfold. I expect that we are set up to fail in Minneapolis. Uh, I think that they may have overcharged. If they don't overdeliver, I think that we're going to see some serious problems. I think the only way that we don't see any issues in Minneapolis is if they get what do they want? Do they want the death penalty? Do they want him thrown away and the whole the whole police department just disintegrated? That might be the only thing that uh, you know calms people down there. Well, this is what I think everyone needs to be aware of. Even if and I, I agree with the notion there may have been overcharging here with the second degree murder charge. I think that's just you can't substantiate that other than because of the politics involved based on the facts that we know. But even if we get a guilty verdict, let's say on the manslaughter charge or perhaps on both, we should all be prepared for the very serious possibility of widespread riots anyway. I mean, George Floyd is dead. We know it led to riots all through the summer of 2020 across the country, notably in Minneapolis, where even a police station was burned to the ground. These neighborhoods, by the way, Jack, still haven't recuperated. They may be in for a second round of violence, no matter what the end result of the trial is. Yeah, and these cities, they take a long time to recover. I mean, Washington, D.C. took 20, 30 years to recover after the 1968 riots. What you saw was white flight, they called it, people leaving the cities for the suburbs, leaving just bombed out neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. for decades that had only just begun to turn around. I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen in Minneapolis. I think what we just need to be prepared for is violence. It's coming. If there's even discussion in the in the trial about him being on fentanyl or other issues that may have led to his death, it's going to be seen by the antagonists out there as just a reason that the system is against them, a reason, evidence that the oppressive system of the white dominant supreme, you know, supremacy culture is still at work here. And uh, I unfortunately see very few outcomes in which there is calm and peace and resolution and everyone is happy and singing Kumbaya after the verdict. Well, our national corporate media seems much more concerned as a general matter about the threat of imminent, or I guess now not so imminent, because it's, it's been weeks now going on months without there being actually anything happening there. In Washington, D.C., Congress, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert uh, said this about some of those security preparations. Welcome to Fort Pelosi, where Democrats decry walls from within their own heavily guarded razor wire wall. Democrats don't want to protect you, because they don't care about you, but they'll spare no expense protecting themselves. It's time to cut the crap and remember, this is the people's house. Madam Speaker, tear down this wall. 
Jack, I used to do threat reporting in the CIA and handle threat reporting inside the NYPD's Intelligence Division Fusion Center. We dealt with FBI, we dealt with all the federal agencies. I've seen a lot of threat reporting in my day. If there was a reason for the fences, the National Guard to still be deployed in DC, we would know about it at this point. That would have been told to us, it would, be, it would have leaked uh, at a minimum if they had made a, an official statement about it. So what's going on here? Uh, this is purely 100% political theater. They are uh, established this military presence in Washington, D.C. in order to imprint in our memories the notion that the Capitol needed to be guarded by armed troops at the transition time around Trump's presidency into Biden. This is solely for the history books. This is solely uh, for the theater. It's solely to scare people. Uh, in fact, the one other op option that I considered was that, have you ever, are you familiar with the phrase Fed posting? That some of these groups may have been infiltrated by federal agents who are encouraging people to storm the Capitol, who are encouraging people to do these illegal activities, but no one's listening. No one's listening. It presents a funny scenario that this may be Fed posters, as it were, influencing the reaction of the federal security state here, which is kind of ironic, actually. But truly, to me, this is all political theater just meant to make us feel scared, worried and concerned. It would seem like given how much the media has been generally uh, in, in hysterics about the January 6th riot, claiming that it was an insurrection, claiming that this was an attempt at, at an armed coup of the United States government, and, and how we've been getting a months-long lecture now. Anybody who ever voted for Trump or is even right of center on political violence. Meanwhile, I have a feeling, Jack, that while they're all prepared for violence that won't happen in D.C., they are making preparations in Minneapolis, but the threat level there is much more likely. It's much higher. There'll be something that goes on. If it does break out into chaos in Minneapolis, I have a feeling CNN and the New York Times will be talking about how this is the result of oppression, that this is the, the backlash that we should expect as a society for lack of equity, not even equality. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like everything is set up for some sort of calamitous event to come out of the, the trial. Uh, I don't think that the, the mob is going to get what they want in terms of their justice. Uh, the anger is pent up. They've been waiting for this. Uh, and I suspect that no matter really what the outcome in terms of the verdict, unless, unless the guy gets hanged, uh, there is going to be some sort of violent outbreak. And there'll probably be a CNN guy there, maybe on the street with a burning building behind him on the microphone saying, you know, all is calm here in Minneapolis, ladies and gentlemen. There's not much going, in, going yeah. on here. Mo mostly peaceful arson spree, as they tend to, right. as they tend to call it. Before I let you go, just a, a quick one here on masks. Uh, I find other people in the media who are at least willing to ask questions about this. It's, it's like we're a, a, little, a little squad of, uh, of would-be truth-tellers about this issue. CDC just put out a report on masks suggesting that mask mandates themselves. Well, first of all, here's the guidance for fully vaccinated people uh, that, you know, with fully vaccinated people indoors, no masks or distancing. Visit with unvaccinated people from a single household, if low risk, indoors, no mask, no distance. I mean, like no one's going to actually follow this at this point anymore. I mean, they can say things, but we've even seen with mandates for masks in public. The most recent CDC study, Jack, I know you saw it, so did I, suggested maybe 1%, but it's really within the margin of error. We weren't promised margin of error reduction in virus and deaths from masking. And anybody that says otherwise is full of it. Yeah, absolutely. This has been an exercise in manipulation and lies and deceit. And uh, every time I put a mask on, which was rarely, 
uh, just to go in and to really just take the pressure off the shopkeeper or the manager or the hostess or whomever it was to, to not make them force me into doing something. It's not really their fault. But every time I put it on, I knew that it was just theater and it was just bull. And now that the CDC has come out with a study, with science, showing that the, the benefit was maybe 1%. Uh, it's very clear that this was never really about stopping COVID or the spread. It was just about looking to be seen, seen like they were doing something. Hey, look, we're doing something. Hey, aren't we great? But really, what are they doing? They're just corrupting all of us and torturing us and setting us up to be manipulated again in the future, unfortunately. Jack Murphy, good to have you on. Hope you come back. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Buck. Good talking to you. The Washington Post relentlessly mocked after publishing one of the most Cringeworthy headlines in the paper's history. We got that story and more in Quick Hits up next. You never thought COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might. Here's how. Cybercrime overall is up about 75% across the board. And the most serious cybercrime when it comes to your home is home title theft. That's right. Cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, are now after our homes. And it's a lot easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive. Insurance doesn't cover you and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant Home Title Lock detects someone tampering with my home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim of this crime, then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. The Washington Post goes full-on North Korea-style propaganda with the Biden COVID relief bill, the Democrats' COVID relief bill, and CNN's Bro Cuomo facing backlash for a racially insensitive comment. Those stories coming up on Quick Hits right now. Let's get right to OCNN. We've got a couple of CNN moments here for you. The first one involves a fellow that we call Bro Cuomo because he is the brother of Andrew Cuomo, but he's also a bro, if you know what I mean. Do you even live bro? He's that kind of bro. And he says things sometimes you go, hmm, if you were a Republican, if you were a conservative, his career would probably be in a whole lot more trouble. But he's a Democrat, so they give him mostly a pass. But even he sometimes crosses the line in a way where his own side, the Democrats, uh, have a problem with it. And here's an example of it. Just looking out of the window, watching the asphalt grow, <laughs> thinking how it all looks handy. How do you know the words to good times? You know I'm black on the inside. So good times, time you need a favorite. I got to tell you, I feel like if a conservative said that, there'd be calls for boycotts. And everything. Look, I, I hate that people have to be so over, or are so oversensitive all the time these days. But the only way to make the left stop is if they have to live by the insane rules they try to enforce against the rest of us. But as we know, they employ double standards because it's really just about power. It's not about standards. And that's what they'll do with this too. And Bro Cuomo will certainly be just fine. And then there's an, another CNN host that we should be talking about, Mr. Don Lemon. Now let's understand something here. Uh, Mr. Lemon is a multimillionaire CNN host and he is supposed to be a journalist. He's supposed to be fair-minded in his approach to things and to give both sides. But here's an example of where you say, so we, there, are, there aren't two sides or you, as a journalist, you don't even want to know both sides. 
Uh, Harry and Meghan, I know we've talked about them too much. I promise that's probably going to be the only Harry and Meghan show uh, or segments in a show we ever do here, hopefully. Never have to do it again. Um, but we made it make sense. But uh, Don Lemon is out there saying stuff about how we don't even need to hear from the royal family. No two sides. People say, well, we haven't heard from the other side. What's the other side going to say? They're going to say, oh, of course, we're, we're not racist or whatever. But what did they do? Think about their actions. They, they did not stand up for their own because their own was married to a black woman, had a black child. They didn't listen to him inside of the royal family. They let him go. They let him leave the country. They wouldn't come to terms with what they wanted to do. So, listen, we've only heard from one side, but that one side at this point rings very true. Really? Hmm. But if you're used to playing the victim card in the media, if you're a Democrat who believes that victimology is somehow a, a, healthy, a healthy cultural trend in this country, one that's now dominant, I guess anytime somebody claims that victim status, you're going to go along with it. Because remember, you can attach yourself to their victimhood for your own purposes of virtue signaling. Oh, I, I stand with the victim because I'm a good person and I am virtue signaling. See how that works? Everybody wins except the truth and decency and achievement and society. But, you know, everybody wins when you play the victim game. Who's involved in the victim game? Everybody else gets crushed. Washington Post, supposed to be journalists. Uh, you would think maybe they have more integrity in journalism than, I don't know, CNN, which is just a propaganda network for the left, and it's a joke. But no, no Washington Post, not much better. Here are the kind of things you can expect from the Washington Post for the next four years, if you haven't already seen plenty of this. They have Biden stimulus. This is a headline. Showers money on Americans, sharply cutting poverty in defining move of presidency. I mean, they're kidding, right? The guy's been in office for two months. How could, let's just start with, how could they even know that this is the defining move of his presidency? We can pause on that one. How is this sharply cutting poverty? All we have to do is give everybody who makes less than 80 grand a year or 80 some odd grand a year, 1400 bucks and poverty's gone or cut down drastically. I don't think so. You don't think so. Nobody really thinks so. So why, is why does the Washington Post write this stuff? Well, because they do. WAPO headline here, Biden is rolling back the culture war and the country should thank him. Another one. This is gaslighting. I mean, give me a break. They've gotten rid of so many things in the past. I mean, you, you look at the, the pro-life issues in this country and the uh, the Mexico City policy, the Biden administration now wants global funding for abortion-related programs all over the world. Your tax dollars going to that. Uh, the, the Biden administration gets rid of effectively more opening up female sports to biological males on day one of the presidency, as if that's a critical issue. So many areas where they just went right into the culture war and now they're acting. Now the Washington Post is telling you Biden's getting us away from the culture war. Right. They do it just to show you that they can, don't you see? They do it in your face because that's a way to demean you and your position. See, not only are we going to rub your face in it, we're going to lie to you about it while we're doing it. That's how they do things. And we've also got Greta Thunberg, though, weighing in on the Biden administration. Here's what uh, she has to say. She's 18, so we can criticize her now publicly. Go ahead. Well, um, you shouldn't take that from me. I'm just a, just a teenager, so I, I'm not, I don't have the mandate to, to sort of give grades like that. Uh, my opinions on this doesn't matter. You should rather look at the science and whether his policies are in line with the uh, Paris Agreement and to stay below two, 
1.5 or even 2 degrees Celsius. And then you can clearly see that, no, it's not nearly enough in line with the science. And that's not me saying that's just black and white looking at the facts. I got to tell you, I'm actually kind of proud of her. As a little left-wing propagandist, she's learned faux humility at the age of 18. Oh, I'm not in a position to tell you the thing that I'm about to tell you because it's what the science says. She's learning the tricks young. I got to learn learning the ways of the game at an early age there. Propaganda. You can never teach them too young. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.